was thinking a lot about permanence, about pretty much everything we attach the word permanent to is not permanent. Why are we so infatuated with permanence? Permanent marker? Yeah. It's a good thing when you get your green card, but they call it your permanent residence card, but it's only as permanent as you are. Someone's thinking about getting a tattoo and we tell them, oh, you better really think about that one because they're permanent. You can get on Google Maps right now. I would encourage you not to, but get on Google Maps right now and just look up tattoo removal and you will find that within seven miles of where we sit, there are 10 tattoo removal places. They're not as permanent as they once were, right? <laughs> they're not permanent. Permanent, yeah. You lose your baby tooth and you get a permanent tooth. That's exactly right. Anybody ever lose a permanent tooth? That's right. It wasn't so permanent, was it? There's even a setting on the dryer called permanent press. I have no idea what that, what that even means. <laughs> so I'm not going to comment. Um, I hear politicians talk about permanent solutions, which means nothing. Um, when I was a kid, my mom would give herself a perm and she would get out one of those hair dryers that sat on the table and like went over her head. And I, I could close my eyes and sniff and I can smell it. And there was this stuff called Dippity-Doo. Does anybody remember Dippity-Doo? Had a very, very distinctive smell to it. Yeah, boy, those were the good days. But my dad, who had the spiritual gift of sarcasm, would always say, oh, look, kids, mom is giving herself a temporary. Um, <laughs> yeah. <sighs> What's really strange to me is that, and you can, again can Google this later, is the number of things that we call semi-permanent, which is just bizarre. There's a word for things that are semi-permanent. It's called temporary. But we like the feeling of it being a little more than temporary, so we call it semi-permanent. And now there's a push to make daylight savings time permanent which I like, permanent, okay. So why do we use the word for everything under the sun if we know it isn't true, why? Like, I know we love the idea of getting something done and it's staying done. Like, I confess that I feel a bit envious when I see those people who rip up their yard and put like fake turf down and I go oh that's pretty cool but then I hear about like they still have dogs and the dog still uses that and then I'm just ugh, whatever you know <laughs> it's wishful thinking right and I think in some instances it's like a longing for something else and it's not just a thing right there's there is, I think, in some instances, a longing for something that is um, permanent. Um, I, I, a friend and I, I have been reading these fiction books together about this um, a little small town on a river in Kentucky, and if you've followed the books along, um, 
the town starts to disappear. You know, and it's farmers and they, their kids grow up and leave. And what had once been a place that th thrived is no longer there. And people get sick over that, right? And you get to sing in your heart. And um, I was thinking this week about Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. And he has set eternity in the hearts of men. Yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So every person you will ever meet has eternity in their heart. Every person you will ever meet has in their heart eternity. And yet they cannot fathom the eternity of God. A God who is from everlasting to everlasting. And what, what in the world has God been doing all this time? to paraphrase the, the verse. Like, what do you do for, with forever? Right? That's, that's the old saying. We talk about eternal life with people who don't know what to do with a free Saturday, right? <laughs> this longing we all have, everybody you meet, for something bigger and greater and permanent. And I think what it really is is a longing for security. Um... And I, and I think the reason I say that is because um, you have made and you have loved ones who have made big decisions and small decisions out of a place of insecurity. And no one ever says, yeah, I made a bunch of decisions just out of a place of real insecurity. I'm really happy about those decisions. Those were just such good decisions that I made. I've made a few million and I don't look back on any of them and go, yeah, those were good decisions. Um, we all long for something secure and firm and stable and fixed that will not let us down. And it's not, the answer isn't in here so much as the answer is a someone. And the Psalm of Ascent has been repeating this description, the maker of heaven and earth, the maker of heaven and earth. And it describes him as, as secure and permanent. I read this at the beginning, right? And that psalm. But where does that leave us? Our psalm starts with the words, those who trust in the Lord are like. Now, just a quick reminder what we're doing in these psalms. Three times a year, we, you can go back and read this in Deuteronomy. You make a trip to Jerusalem. Wherever you're living in an outlying village, you go up to Jerusalem. And it's always up. It's a psalm of ascent because Jerusalem was up. It's on a mountain, Mount Zion, as we're going to see it called today, Mount Zion, and a couple more times as we go through these. Um, you go up and you offer sacrifice. You go up to a feast. You go up to give thanksgiving. You go up to worship. And so if you can imagine you live way out on the outskirts and maybe you just start out with you and a couple of neighbors and your family and you go and it's like a three-day trip and the closer you get, the crowd gets larger and larger and larger and you're saying these psalms back and forth to each other. Or even, as we've talked about, um, after the people were wiped out by the Babylonians and they came back all those years later, they would have still probably have said these psalms together. So these psalms were around for a long time. As a matter of fact, Jesus very likely would have prayed these prayers on his way to Jerusalem. You remember all the times, all the trips, can you imagine, he made to Jerusalem. Even that time, his parents left him behind when he was a little kid. <laughs> yeah. 
And so here we are today. We don't have any holy places where we travel and offer sacrifices. Um, we don't turn to this building three times a day and pray. Do you? Okay, good. That would be strange. It's noon. Which way is Creekside? Yeah, it's over there. Yeah, that'd be weird, right? Um, we walk with Jesus. Christ in us, we're in Christ. We walk with him. There's the beautiful, you will make known to me the path of life. So we're on this journey with Jesus. He has a path before us. And we saw this when we were in Revelation. One day this new Jerusalem comes down. In his presence is fullness of joy. But in these Psalms, we find for us prayers that we can pray on our journey and as we come together. And it puts many of them we've seen beautiful, beautiful imagery so that when we pray, we have pictures in our minds. And today is definitely no exception. It's a picture of security, a picture of strength. A song of ascent, it says, Psalm 125. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surround his people, both now and forevermore. So do you see what it is? It's a picture of a mountain surrounded by mountains. Mount Zion was not on the highest peak. If you stand on the Mount of Olives just right next door, where Jesus was the night before, you remember, you're actually looking down on Jerusalem. You have to go down through a valley up there. And there's another mountain next door that's still also higher. And there's these hills all around. So it's, it's a picture. And you know what they call it? This is kind of crazy. But they call all that area surrounding it the hill country. Like if you go to that area today, I was on the bus filled with Texans. And they were all making these comments like, what, did we just leave Austin? What is going on here? This looks just like Texas. This is crazy. It's, it is kind of wild. This is the hill country. Yes, it is the hill country. It's just in another country, hill country. Yeah. But you have these verses that describe the Lord firmly establishing this world. And in this for instance, the Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty. He is armed with strength. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Isn't that fascinating? Like we know the Lord cannot be moved, but the Lord made a planet, oddly enough. And on this planet, he put people made in his image that were made to display him. And on this planet, he... The word became flesh and dwelt among those people. And he has this unfolding story of redemption on this planet. So the planet's here and it's not going anywhere. So all throughout the Psalms, you see this idea that the earth is firm and stable. But you see throughout the Psalms that this Mount Zion is used as a picture stability, of strength. Now, it's not by virtue of our faith. Those who trust in the Lord are like. It's not because our faith is so great. It's because he is so great. The Lord himself is like all these mountains. It's a mountain surrounded by mountains. He 
is the constant one. But can't you, the picture is a beautiful one. Like if you lived on the outskirts of Jerusalem and, and it was in sight, you woke up in the morning, you looked out and there it was. And that was true for your parents. That was true for your grandparents and your great grandparents. It was just always there. Like you didn't wake up one morning and go, where'd it go? (laughs) It was just there, right? Like if there's anything that seems in nature that's like firm and fixed and stable and steadfast, it's a mountain, right? Like just the massiveness of a mountain. Like no one ever says to you, hey guys, If you want to see the Rockies, you better get up to Colorado soon. They might not be there next year. Yeah, we went up to the Smokies this summer because we we heard they might be closed for renovation. What are they going to do? Paint them? Right? We close the Statue of Liberty. We we every once in a while the Alpha Tower has to be sandblasted and painted or whatever. I mean. Scientists are still talking about how long can the leaning tower of pizza actually lean like this? Are we going to have to jack this puppy back up and make it just sort of leaning? What are we going to do here? You never hear like um, Mount Rainier. We had to just sand that thing down and paint it again. It's just there. Now next door, one blew up. But that was a volcano. That's different, right? That's different. Volcanoes are different. But that's the Lord, Right? Like, the Lord doesn't close down. He doesn't wear out. The Lord doesn't need to be remodeled or restored, right? So if you're a Jew and you're on pilgrimage and you're approaching Jerusalem and you're passing through all those hills, they were the same hills last year and they were the same mountains the year before and the year before and the year before and the year before. And they were a picture of the goodness and the faithfulness of God towards people of faith. The steadfastness of God. Yep, still there, still there, still there. Could you and I be any more safe and secure? Could we any better guarded? It's like the Lord has taken up a position of security around us. He never leaves his post. He's like permanent. We are surrounded. And look look at what it says. As the mountain surrounds Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forevermore. Like there will never come a time when you'll be like, where'd the Lord go? He'll just always, always, always be there. Forever. And he says, you will not be shaken. Now, let's pause for just a moment. When I read it earlier in the, the New Living, it, says, it said defeated, um, shaken. I just thought before we move to the next verse, those who trust in the Lord will not be shaken. You're like a mountain. Um, that's strange. Maybe I'm the problem because I feel shaken sometimes. I feel more like the volcano next door than the mountain. (laughs) Remember when we did that thing a little bit back? What happened to you? Right? It was just these weeks of 
everything Jesus did to me when I trusted him. And then we did that Sunday where we went all through them and it was like a hundred things up on this screen. None of that can be shaken. None of that can be taken away. None of it. There is all of this of who I am in Christ that cannot be moved. (laughs) It's unshakable. Those who trust in the Lord. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you I trust, O my God. Do not let me be put to shame or let my enemies triumph over me. Those who hope in you will never be put to shame, but they will be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts in him. So ultimately, we will never be shaken. We will never be shamed. You will always be surrounded by love. You will never be unloved. You will never, there will never be a day going into forever when you will say, I'm really ashamed having trusted in the Lord. He says, it won't happen will not be shaken. You're going to be a mountain surrounded by mountains. Now we could stop right there and just skip to the end where it says, peace be upon Israel. Um, but we can't because there's three more verses. And one of them is a bit mysterious and it's the next one. It's verse three. Um, so there's this interesting verse and then these, these, this single verse prayer. And it's this next verse. It says, The scepter of the wicked will not remain over the land allotted to the righteous, for then the righteous might use their hands to do evil. What? Where'd that come from? We were just talking about a mountain surrounded by mountains and the permanence and security of the Lord and not being shaken. And It's as if he's saying, Let me tell you what's not permanent. You want to know what's not permanent? The scepter of the wicked. What's a scepter? That's what's in the hand of a king to, to symbolize his rule and his authority and his sovereignty over the land. Now, where was Israel defeated numerous times? And even, let's back up. Did, did, did Israel have bad kings? Yes. Did Israel have evil kings? Yes. But here's the point. There's no such thing as permanent evil authority. No such thing. There's no such thing as permanent wicked authority. God is the only permanent king, and he's good. You do not have a single sovereign enemy. Not a one. And... I, I, I keep thinking about this verse this week. It seems to go like two directions. Like this could be very well about the temptation because what always happened when Israel had a wicked king? The people followed right along. Wicked king, wicked nation. Good king, the people follow along. So it's like the Lord's mercy to send a good king along to draw the people back because if they'd stay there, right, the righteous will be tempted to use... Right, they'll follow. But, but I think there's also another temptation at play here. The righteous will be tempted to use wicked means to deal with wicked rulers. In other words, if a lying, cheating 
king is ruling over the people, righteous people might be tempted to say, oh, really? Two can play at that game. If you're going to be a lying, cheating king, well, we'll just lie and cheat and top you by two. Right? And the Lord says, hey, remember, they're not permanent. We have an ultimate home, and no matter who rules this one, they are not permanent. And God's people never have to use sinful means against sinful rulers. And this verse, I mean, you can imagine the people traveling back from Babylon with this, right? Because they were told how long they would be there. And then they come back, and they've got all these people going, oh, really, you're going to rebuild this? I don't think so, right? And they would just have to say, (laughs) the scepter of the wicked will not remain of the land of the righteous. The scepter of the wicked will not remain of the land of the righteous. They'd have to keep telling them this. No evil leader or ruler is permanent. So there's no re- need for the people of God to be anxious or to try to out evil the evil in a bid for power. God is in control. So then there's this prayer that ends this. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good, to those who are upright in heart. But those who turn to crooked ways, the Lord will banish with the evildoers. So if you turn to crooked ways to deal with crooked people, you're going to go the way of crooked people. But the prayer is, do good, O Lord, to those who are good, to those who are upright in heart. I'm praying that prayer this week, and I'm like, whoa. Like the part about those who turn to crooked ways, banish them, I'm pretty cool with that. Yeah, that one, that one, that one, that one, that one, and that one. Obviously crooked. Do something with them, Lord. How comfortable are you praying... God, would you do good to good people like me? Ooh, right? That's, oh, now we're getting on tricky ground, aren't we? I feel a little more comfortable with like the prayer in Psalm 119.68. You are good and you do what is good. Now teach me your decrees. Like, okay, God, you're good and I'm teachable. (laughs) I'm not there yet, but I'm open, right? Or maybe Psalm 36.10, continue your love to those who know you, your righteousness to the upright in heart. My shield is God most high who saves the upright in heart. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud. Like if you're going to be good, it's got to be good in heart. Now think about this. Those who are praying this prayer originally are on their way to a temple to make a sacrifice. Right? They're on their way to a temple to worship, and they're going to offer an animal, right? A a priest is going to lay hands on this animal on their behalf, and it's going to spill blood on their behalf to remind them that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. The life of the flesh is in the blood. I'm giving it on the altar to make atonement for your souls. So they're on their way to do that, praying this prayer, knowing that they're sinful. But the desire of their heart is goodness, and they're, they're upright by the grace of God. Right? I'm thinking about that rich young ruler coming to, to Jesus. And Jesus says, So why are you calling me good? There's nobody good but God. Well, yeah, but I've kept all the rules. 
How about this one? Okay, not that one. Please, not that one, right? (laughs) So there's like gospel in this. You know what else gets me about this prayer? Like, it's a little too vague. Like, I want to get specific with this. Like, are we content to just say, hey, God, will you be good? Like, God, will you be good? A, B, C, and D. Good. Like, God, I want you to be good specifically this way good. (laughs) Do good. Like, can I entrust myself to a good God who will apply his goodness to my life in the wisest way he sees fit to do so? Whew. That's a tough one, isn't it? <laughs> because I would much rather give him some instructions on how to apply his goodness to myself. God, be good and let me tell you how. Right? So this is a gospel prayer. Like, this isn't like, um, how good do I have to be for him to be good? Um, do I get goodness in proportion to my goodness? I'm in trouble. How upright do I have to be? How long do I have to be that way? Is a week enough? A couple of hours? Right? I just keep going back to the gospel, and I get goodness far beyond anything I have to offer. It's grace, and it's always out of proportion, Right? Again, we always, we have to end this going all the way to the end, right? Let me just give a couple of more prophecies here because this is where we're going. Isaiah 33, look upon Zion, the city of our festivals. Your eyes will see Jerusalem, a peaceful abode, a tent that will not be moved. Its stakes will never be pulled up or any of its ropes broken. And there the Lord will be our mighty one. It will be like a place of broad rivers and streams, and no galley with oars will ride them, no mighty ship will sail them, for the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, and it is he who will save us. And no one living in Zion will say, I am ill, and the sins of those who dwell there will be forgiven. Psalm 46, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So the day comes, the day comes when there's this new Zion and the mighty one, our mighty one is there. And there's no illness. It's filled with forgiven people. And we say the Lord is our king. There's these glad rivers flowing. I mean, even now when we think of sickness and we think of death, 
Is there a moment when you're more surrounded than when God brings you to himself? Like anything that makes it through the mountain ring of God's protection must make it through his goodness. So it must be his wisdom and goodness and his love. So when we think security and our longing for it, when we think permanence and our longing for it, all of that comes to us through goodness and love. And it comes to us by grace. And it's not just coming now, but it's coming physically, and permanently. So let's ask God to put this picture in our minds. Will you pray with me? Lord, now we, we can close our eyes and we can see mountains. Majestic, huge, snow-capped mountains. And we think strength and steadfastness and permanence. And that's your goodness and your grace and your righteousness and that's your protection of us. And I pray, God, for every person in this room that they would know that and they would feel that and they'd believe that. Lord, we're all looking for security. Pray that we'd know it in Jesus. God, if there's anything this world wants, it's security. We pray, Father, that our lives would be typified by it. Those who trust in the Lord. Those who trust pray, God, that we would not be tempted to power the way this world longs for power, but that we would be willing to rest in the peace of your goodness towards us. Help us to walk in uprightness of heart and to trust in your goodness. Thank you for the day that is coming. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, y'all. Have a good week.